welcome to the latest edition of the Progress with Unity podcast. Another win, another bouncy, buzzing podcast, and it's a very special one indeed. So without further ado, I'm going to hand straight over to Barry. Cheers, Simon. It's fantastic to welcome to the Progress with Unity podcast, the Chief Executive of Wigan Athletic, Mr Mal Brannigan. Good evening. Evening, Barry. Evening, Adam. Evening, Simon. Evening, Paul. Evening. Evening, everybody else. There's, there's a million and one questions the fans would like to ask, and we'll try and ask as many on their behalf as possible this evening and, and answer what you can. So we'll start off, how did you get involved with the bid, and was you in from the beginning back in July? Uh, the the uh, I wasn't in from, from July. I came in um, just as the previous bid had, uh, I suppose, fallen off the table. And and that um, uh, the bid from Phoenix twenty twenty one was was coming in in January. Um, there was, I suppose, really if you compare the two um, bids, as to, uh, the two bids from Phoenix twenty twenty one, or the progress of the two bids um, from where they were last July to, to then January, is that in uh, the July bid, in effect, ha- was was progressing very well until you know another party had taken on the exclusivity period. Which, which therefore they excluded everybody else. Um, uh, I think at that point in time where where we were up to was about to start due diligence, about to go through the um, that whole process of, of getting into the data room and looking through uh, all the detail. That was then stopped, uh, opened itself back up again in January, and that's when I then got involved um, with... Um, uh, my my main contact within, within the group at that point in time was Tom Markham, so myself and Tom had um, uh, a long-term, uh, uh, you know, we'd known each other for, for a long time through through various networks. Um, football is a, and sport is a relatively uh, large industry, but quite a small village when we, um, when we all get to know each other. And uh, Tom was the one who introduced me to Mr. Al Jasmi and Talal, uh, Chris Dandridge, um, uh, Ollie Gottman. And then from that process, then... Um, Richard Bramwell was also going to be part of the of the team going forward. So that's when um, that's when I started looking at, at Wigan in earnest. Um, interestingly, I had looked with another couple of groups um, at potentially getting um, a purchase funded. So it was kind of nearly um, a, a really good way of bringing everything together. In that Phoenix 2021, we're looking for chief exec, and I was looking for an ownership group to kind of go in with. And and knowing Tom um, helped enormously. Talal's come in and we're very excited and he's, he appears to be very excited reading his Twitter feed. He seems to be buzzing about recent results. Yeah, I, I think, you know, what what um, fans have seen is, as you said, Barry, a very enthusiastic chairman, um, one who has taken the club to his heart uh, in, in a very fast um, time period. Um, he's very earnest about what he does as well. So whilst there is uh, a degree of excitement and 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 uh, you know the the energy that comes with that there's also very much uh, an underlying reason for for taking the club on in the first place and for for ensuring first of all its survival um you know from a from a financial perspective and then secondly seeing how we can stabilize it and then, and then grow um, and put in some firm foundations I, I know you've spoken about working closely with the community trust previously and also the supporters club what do you see in those two bodies that excites you, especially the community trust? Because I know what you said about that. 
Um, well, a little bit about my background is that I was a trustee of the um, EFL Trust for 10 years since its inception. Um, and I'd have, I think I would have been there probably now still if, um, if governance rules um, hadn't have meant that after 10 years, you have to, um, you have to come off the board for, for a number of years. I've, where at other clubs I've worked out, I've sat on the um, community trust board as well as a trustee. I think it's an essential part of, of how the club interacts with the wider community beyond um, just football and, and how it, it can help also represent that community um, in the town or the city or the, or, or the area, the region where, it's, uh, where it's, it plays its football um, and, and does lots of positive um, work. There's, there's a, a magnetism about uh, a club crest um, that attracts people to, to it like no other. So if we can utilise that for, the, for, for good purpose, then we should do. So it's not only uh, doing benefits for the community, it's also a good marketing tool as well to get new generations of supporters coming along. Um, I think that's secondary. So uh, th- there, there is value in that. And there is, um, um, th- that, that, as I said, that is one of the kind of secondary benefits from there. But I think in, in the first instance is how do we, as an example, you know, raise awareness of prostate cancer or look after um, fans who, who want to, you know, feel as though they want to they look after themselves a little bit more or there's, or there's something that we can help with uh, mental health or, you know, in any of those areas. And sometimes people won't go through the traditional channels, but they will feel that there's an affinity with, with their club. Um, and if the club can help that, then I think it's doing some good back into the community. Yeah, and our community trust certainly has that respect within... Wigan Borough and and the Northwest as well. Yeah, um, and, and sorry, Barry, you also asked about the, the supporters club. You know, very early on, um, we I sat down and met with um, Caroline um, and um, uh, another couple of her colleagues, and and and, and through that, we were very um, as an ownership group. I can I can kind of you know convey that uh, very. Touched, I, I think, more than anything else, by by the strength of feeling and the strength of commitment that came from the supporters when there was uh, a need to raise funds really, really quickly to to, to ensure the survival of the club. Thankfully, um, that money or the majority of that money wasn't needed, and is going back to, I believe, back to the fans. Um, but it was just it kind of it 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 underlined how how uh, passionate fans are and how much the football club means to them. Um, to be able to give up money or to be able to give up time in, in a situation where with COVID and potential, you know, change in economic circumstances and, and job losses or job security, people were still willing to help um, ensure the, say, the, the, the future of the football club. Talking about the future of the football club, big announcement today, of course. William Richardson been named permanent manager. Is it a three-year deal? It is a three-year deal. So um, we are... We're delighted. I mean, you, you, hopefully now people have read a lot of the statements that are out there, you know, for, for have Liam to commit his future to the football club um, after, I suppose we could just say challenging is probably the, the mildest word that we can use over the last 12 months and and how he's, um, we're all, in my view, we're always uh, under apprenticeship. We're always learning. We're always trying to um, find new ways of doing things. And I think the last 12 months, um, has been part of that. I, th- I think the fans will will unanimously um, uh, admit and suggest that he's, he's passed that with flying colours. 
Um, not that it was a test, but you know, he stood up. He he I think it was very much a case of he kind of said, This football club means an awful lot to me. Uh, I'm gonna ensure, along with you know, colleagues that that worked with him. Um, you know, Gregor Rioch has been has been at the forefront of that, as well as Frankie Barn and 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 the other coaching staff who have all kind of come from the academy or come from outside and just kind of made sure that everything um, stood up. He he's made sure that the football club has been there right at the very end to still have have that enormously strong fighting chance of ensuring League One status going into next season. Yeah, talking about next season, it's still a little bit up in the air which division we're going to be in. But uh, have you got plans for both eventualities in place? I think our plan is is to um, put together a stable stable championship football club. So w- whether that takes one year longer, two years longer, if League Two happens, they're, they're the circumstances that we will have to work in. That It will be very much a case of making sure that what we do is that it's a positive step towards getting back to the championship and then becoming a stable club thereafter. Whatever happens thereafter, you know, that's, I think that's sometimes you can look too far into the distance. And I think from, from where we are and, and where we've come from uh, during the last 12 months, I think that the uh, most fans would, would automatically say, I'll, I'll vote for that. And I'll, um, I'll take that now if you can guarantee that within, you know, within a certain period of time. Well, a lot of players are out of contract in the summer. Are, are we are we looking at player recruitment already for next season? Yeah, <laughs> uh, there are there are quite a few. There aren't that many who are um, uh, committed to the club, um, but we are now after having talk, talked with Liam and 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 made that point of bringing stability in from um, from a leadership perspective. Then starting to go back through and. And now, um, you know, put that team together um, off the park. See, 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 see where he wants to go with staff. See what we want to do with recruitment and um, performance and medical and and lots of other pieces. Whilst at the same time, also look to put to put a team on the pitch together that will compete in whatever division we're in next year. Yeah, I'd like to bring Adam in now because uh, yeah, I can see he sat there giving me the evils. So, Adam. Yeah, I'd never give you the evils, Barry. That's just the way I, I always look like that. Yeah, it was just, just something that sparked up them from what obviously Barry was saying about uh, sort of the future moving forward. I'm just wondering sort of in general in football, how, how it works with sort of backroom staff. I mean, is it is it pretty much kind of Liam selects who he wants to, to bring in? When Paul Cook came to Wigan, he wanted all his backroom staff to come along with him. But obviously the Liam situation is very different. So is it kind of... He he sort of brings in, or do we use like do we use our own networks to sort of bring those backroom staff in? I'm just wondering how it kind of works, you know, in bringing filling those positions that we lost during administration. Yeah, I, I think Adam, the um, we we are in a in a slightly unique situation in the in, in that there was there's not a lot of staff here to begin with, um, and so there are a number of vacancies that need filling. Um, we're looking to to put together stability all the way through the football club. So, um, you know, we will recruit um, uh, staff in all the departments I've just talked about. They, they, are, uh, they are club staff, in effect. Um, what at the same time, you know, where, wherever most people go and work, they, um, especially in, in an industry that, that, that we work in, uh, it's also good to have a, a trusted lieutenant 
Um, so, you know, uh, with, with Liam, we will have those conversations about staff that he would like to bring on board. Uh, they will be, uh, it will be a small in number and it will be um, trusted, you know, uh, could be colleagues, could be anything else that, that, that or, or, or other people that uh, maybe Liam has done his badges with or he's worked with in the past. But, but I think it's, it's important that you also have somebody in, you know, working alongside you that um, you know the qualities, you know their values, and you know that the, the level of, uh, of, of work rate that they have. And just as a follow-up question still on the kind of general subject of recruitment, what's the place now for the, in terms of scouting? Um, because obviously read quite a bit into Tom's sort of background and with all the kind of, data on players and things like that i mean is it is is it a lot more data driven now than sort of the old days where you'd have lots of scouts sort of all kind of all around the globe uh, will we be able to tap into some of that data that's 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 available through kind of tom's contacts what's fantastic with tom is that tom has a very wide and in-depth network um through the you know from his studies, from his from his work experience, from just his general networking uh, abilities over over many years, um, and I think we would be foolish if we didn't use uh, Tom's network and, and other people's in the group. So there's you know there's a number of us that have that have uh, strong networks, good networks, um, and and we will utilize that to the maximum to make sure that you know what decisions decisions that we make are the best informed they can be. Um, just as a follow-up to that, would that also include within other clubs, you know, with ter- in terms of u- utilising the loan market? I'm not saying we'll find a Reese James every year, but uh, that, that kind of sort of link, good links with Premier League clubs in terms of some of the really good youth players to sort of complement our excellent young players that we have ourselves. Yeah, we, we, we will look at every opportunity and if it fits with Wigan Athletic then, um, you know, and resources and the, the uh, I suppose the gaps in the squad as and when when needed, then then we will work with, um, we will work with those clubs. We have, we have good relationships with them already um, so that they will be, Wigan is known as a, as a very good area for development of players. Um, You've you just mentioned one there earlier um, and, you know whether they are players that have been let go by um, some of the Premier League clubs in the past, and then they develop um, uh, further at, at Wigan, and then you know they, they've been transferred out afterwards, or they've stayed with the football club. Um, we're in a, geographically, we're in a fantastic spot to be able to utilise um, that to the best of our advantage. Mal, I'm just going to come in with something um, similar with re- regards to recruitment, and it's it's to do with the academy because obviously we've used a lot of academy players this season. We've lost some academy players to obviously free up uh, squad places in the transfer window. Um, what's what's the the plans for the, uh, re-establishing uh, the excellent academy that we have uh, and building on that? I'm I'm very conscious of of kind of the 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 areas that we said that we would uh, build on and strengthen uh, when we first came in. Uh, academy being one of those, uh, most definitely. The, I've I've had a previous working relationship with Gregor, so so that's been good, uh, and we've picked up on that. And 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 everything we've discussed so far is all about improving the academy, is making sure it's resourced, 
is making sure that there are, um, you know, staff as well as players are given uh, every opportunity to to continue to um, develop young players, young people, um, and make sure that if if they are if they do leave the football club at whatever stage, they have every opportunity, therefore, to continue uh, a career at the level that um, that they're going to be able to to play at. But there's um, there's no um, there's no passing off on the on the academy. It's it's extremely important to the future of the football club, and I think it would be folly if um, if we just dismissed it. And I suppose that's um, that's obviously an integral part. And with regards to, I, I know we when we spoke the other week we discussed this, but uh, the training ground obviously it's it's a rather dated at Christopher Park. Uh, we're not expecting uh, the team to come in and, and throw money at it, but is that an area that they feel that development is needed to to kind of attract players? I know it was said in, in years gone by that when we were trying to sign players, that they'd be taken straight to the stadium rather than visiting Christopher Park. Is that something that's on the radar, maybe not um, short-term, but long-term? I think I think everywhere you know we we have our footprint. So whether it's the stadium, whether it's Stadium Way, whether it's up at Christopher Park, uh, we need to create a an environment where people feel as though they're coming into somewhere that's that's high performing. Um, there's there's certain parts of Christopher Park that um, shall we say uh, are full of nostalgia. Uh, and other areas where you kind of go, you know, some of the resources that are in there are um, are very good. I think the um, what's happened in the last twelve months, obviously with COVID, with administration, um, have stretched the resources uh, up there because of the um, um, separation rules, you know, for um, people's safety. Um, but the but overall, uh, we know that Christopher Park needs some work doing on it. So that it does um, become more attractive, not only to players coming in, but but you know that's someone's place of work. So it needs to be also at the same time. You need to feel as though that you're coming in that people, you know, the company has uh, and the owners have pride in in where people work. It, it's like office space. It's like everything else. You know, make sure that the working environment is a good working environment, and you'll get you'll get you know hopefully better results or better uh, cohesiveness between the team. It should be an enjoyable place to come to work. Just picking up on that, Mal, is, is does that include the stadium itself? Is there going to be a little bit of upgrading done there? Yeah, I, th- I think the um, uh, we will put a, uh, a plan together that will be over a number of years. Um, I think that the if our plan and our and our prime objective was to spend money on bricks and mortar and uh, buildings uh, to the detriment of academy or to the first team or or you know, to, to um, other areas of, of the of the club, then it would look great. But actually, what we want, first of all, is that we want a successful football team. We want to be able to get back into the championship. We want to see um, young players coming through the academy and either playing in our first team or, again, playing at the level that that their, um, uh, their skills deserve. Um, and through that will then hopefully come you know, additional benefits, some of them financial um, and, and and the plan being put in place to make sure that uh, the stadium um, comes back to her former glory uh, at some at some point. Um, you know, what's what's also very important is that we spend money on, on areas where 
you know, uh, fan experience is a, is is a lot better. So, you know, what what we want to do um, is find out from, you know, what, what the feedback from fans as to what we can do. We we're, we're not going to say that we're going to do them, uh, or we'll do them all in one go. But it would be it'd be lovely to get that feedback, and if there's a justification for it, or if there's a, a benefit to it for for everybody, like I said, you know, about coming to coming to work. You want to feel as though you know when you when you're back when you're in a building, um, you're welcomed. So so that's the that's the the most important thing. So um, yeah, everything needs doing up, and it's just taking it's just prioritizing where, which areas should be done first. Um, talking of fan feedback, the kit. <laughs> no, uh, we're very traditional, blue and white, and obviously, yeah, it's been mentioned that the kit sponsor deal or the kit deal with Puma went out with administration, so we lost that. Are we going to keep a blue and white strap kit for next season? Remind me of the last time we didn't have a blue and white kit. Um, last, not this season, season before. No blue and white stripes at all? Well, they were like, it was a blue, predominantly blue top with like pin stripes. They were black? No, they were white. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I'm not, Barry, I'm not being uh, flippant or anything like that. It's just that, you know, I can't see a reason why, unless there was a special anniversary, right. um, why we wouldn't have a traditional uh, blue and white jersey. Well, if you're going for anniversaries, our first ever kit was red and white. I don't think I'm going to do that. <laughs> no, don't be doing that one. Are we going to have a supporters club? And is it going to be in the same location or is that something up for discussion at the moment? Uh, we've had um, we've had discussions with um, the supporters club about this. We're not coming in to change the world on day one. Um, there'll, there'll be there'll be times where we will need to to look at things down the line. But you know, it's it's one of those where we all only have a certain amount of energy. We all only have a certain amount of um, time in the day. And and if things work, sometimes they might be able to work better. But if they're working, then then why stop it working? I think Paul wants to come in with something. Um, yeah, I mean, are you expecting the opening day of next season to be some form of normality with supporters in the ground? Because that's what we're all looking forward to. Um, I think that I think that that's certainly our expectation. So, so we know that um, fans are allowed back into stadiums uh, mid-May. We're obviously going to miss that um, date. Uh, because our season will have finished by that point in time. The test events that are going on at the moment, so Wembley, the Crucible, um, a, a, and others are, um, are are really good events. So so Wembley is obviously um, stadiums like ourselves. The Crucible is all indoor, and they're expecting a capacity for for the snooker final. My expectation is that we will have fans back in the stadium at the start of of next season. What what that percentage will be. Uh, we have no idea yet, but we will continue to have those discussions and be informed by the EFL or by the local council or by uh, SGSA or the safety advisory group. Um, we will try and keep as informed as possible so that when it does happen, we're ready. Right, so so you, you, you would say, I mean, not to put words in your mouth, that you, you're pretty much planning as normal, just with a few contingencies. Um, you're not expecting it. You know, you're not expecting it to go absolutely pear shape. Yeah, you know, the expectation is it will open as normal, but not quite as normal. I think I think you'd hope so. I mean, obviously, if if, if COVID takes over again, then common sense prevails, um, and 
And I don't think any of us would want to um, sacrifice uh, people's uh, well-being um, just for the sake of coming to a game again. I think what we would need to do is probably find other ways of of um, of broadcasting the game and, and and seeing what we can do there and and seeing if there's there's, there's other areas around where fans could come together um, to watch games again if if allowed. So I think we won't be as caught out as the game was when when COVID first came in and and. I think everybody probably initially thought that, you know, this will be a few weeks and it'll be over and done with. Um, and and no worries about season tickets or anything else that, that comes thereafter. We're 12 months down the line um, and we're still waiting to get back into stadiums. So, um, but I'm hopeful, Paul, is probably yeah, the best. Um, you mentioned season tickets. So is the work going on with those? I know you said you would expect them to be, in, when you spoke to us a couple of weeks ago, be further down the line than what they were when you walked through the door. Are we... Anywhere near? Yeah, I, no, we are. We're starting to work on it now. Um, I think we'll we'll have something out relatively soon. Yeah, uh, as I said a couple of weeks ago, it was very much a case of um, uh, where I've worked previously. In comparison, this is extremely late to have season tickets out. Um, and going forward, we will we will not shock everybody by bringing it um, forward six months, uh, because obviously there's you know you've got to you've got to allow people to have. I suppose time gaps and, and and make sure that you know financially everything works, but we'll certainly start to bring it um, back into you know earlier in the year than, than where it currently is. Obviously, this season's been a, a, a an online broadcast season. Do you think once we are allowed back in the ground, do you think that'll have much impact, or, or do you think we'll get broadcast for away games maybe and home games be a bit more normal, or do you think there's a game changer in there somewhere? Uh, I think there is a game changer in there. I think I think you know, um, COVID has has forced a lot of things upon people. So you know, even even now the way that we're uh, we're communicating now and we're broadcasting on the podcast, it was, you know, it, it's, it's it's now much more prevalent um, to be able to, to to do this and probably much easier for people. Um, but you miss the interaction of actually sitting around a table or um, you know having a cup of tea beforehand or afterwards. Um, and I think that the, I think the whole world has changed. So if there are ways that we can um, reach out to people who can't get to stadiums, either because of mobility or finance or um, or geographical uh, restrictions, then then I think we should um, continue to to um, raise awareness of the game and, and and obviously raise awareness of of how well we're doing in the league. Just a quick one on that as a follow-up uh, to Paul's question. I know Simon wanted to come in, but it's only a quick one. D- do you foresee going back to the uh, three o'clock blackout for games that, that obviously we've we've had in place for, well, donkey's years basically were, you know, matches uh, in theory can't be shown at three o'clock uh, because it's supposed to encourage people to go and um, attend in the stadiums? Or do you think we might actually go back to the blackout? I think the... Uh, the, the 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 blackout has been, or the lifting of the blackout has been the gift uh, in effect of the broadcasters. So I think that the when we look at it in in pure commercial terms, um, the broadcasting that comes into the game at whatever level, whatever division you're in, is key. Um, uh, the interaction with um, support base with the fan base is also key, and it's just that marrying up of 
looking after what fans are um, are, are in need of. So so whether that is that we find there's you know there's 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 a great demand for a three o'clock um, broadcasting of the game um, through closed network, or there is um, a, a, a financial demand from the broadcasters for exactly the same. I think there will be that conversation is much easier to be had now because of what we've experienced over the last 12 months. But I think those, those, those conversations really go on at, at EFL and, and, and Premier League level with the broadcasters and then they'll get fed out to the clubs as to how those um, d- discussions are going and then, and then hopefully then vote on it thereafter. Mal, I'd like to, to ask a question about the, the team in general. Um, it's been said that you know Wigan is a bit of a, a special place and it, you won't get it unless you've, you've been here, worked here and what have you, what it, what it means to people. From uh, your guys, um, obviously Phoenix 2021, what's the overall feeling um, of Wiganers and what's, what's, what's it felt like to you, the welcome that you've received? It's been... Um... Uh, for me, it's been very warm. Um, I can I can generally only um, talk about the people I've met so far. So, obviously, I haven't been around the town, haven't really um, been interacting with with fans on a match day. Um, so, so I haven't really seen that. But, but everybody, you know, colleagues, people who I've met through through the club so far, um, it's been an extremely warm um, uh, welcome, um, which is always nice. Uh, long may it last. So, um, uh, and, and from our group's perspective, I think you can see with the interaction of, of various members of the board um, from the, with the chairman as well, is that um, he's also felt that same welcome uh, in, that, in that it is a, um, it's new to everybody. You know, it, we're building a new relationship um, and um, all the early signs are extremely encouraging. Like you say, long, long may it continue. And I think the way that the uh, the team's been played, especially these last four games, it the only way is is really up. Um, it's I think it's, it has been a breath of fresh air, especially like you say after the last uh, twelve months, and even to the point where the local bakery is now getting involved with uh, tweets between the group and uh, themselves. It's interesting, isn't it? It's good fun. It is indeed. You spoke earlier, Mal, about uh, listening to the fans and that and what they had to say and, and uh, their ideas. Do you plan to do regular fan meetings with a, you know, like a fans board or something along that line? Yeah, I, I think um, definitely a fans board. Um, I think there, it's essential that there is interaction and communication uh, with the club. It's um, uh, if, if people want to listen to me all the time, they're very welcome to. I think there'll be far more interesting conversations with with the heads of the department and my colleagues, um, you know, certainly in certain areas that, you know, potentially impact uh, on fans far more than 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 what I would be able to um, talk about. So um, I think it, it's, it's really important, one, that we have that interaction and two, that we're not uh, the ones who set the agenda. So, um, you know, it, and I think then that, that shows there's real independence. Um, and if we, if we retain that independence, like I said, you know, at the very beginning, there will be some things that uh, we can't talk about, whether it's because of um, commercial confidentiality or, uh, or personal, you know, information confidentiality. But generally, we will try and be as open um, an ownership group and, a, uh, and an executive team as possible.
I think one thing that the Wigan Athletic supporters are noted for is is the charity side of things and raising money for various good causes down the years. And we've raised a heck of a lot of money. And just talking about that, the last the last major thing we did was um, walk to Leeds on Good Friday, not last season, season before. And the last chief executive, who you may or may not know, Jonathan Jackson. I'm wondering what you're going to say here now. Yeah, right? he, actually, he actually did the walk with the supporters. So I'm just wondering if we organise a, a, you know, if a walk was organised, would, would you join us on it or, or uh, would you not? <laughs> uh, it depends on where to and where from, but if it was an invite, it would be very hard to turn down. <laughs> walk, walk to Plymouth. <laughs> <laughs> Only if all you guys do it with me. Oh, we'd be there, yeah. But that, but that's great. I mean, if you can do stuff like that for for, for charity, I think it, it's fantastic. And I think, you know, if there's times where we can help with the stadium, about you know, uh, as an example, if we can do a sleep out at the stadium, if we can do, um, you know, various bits again, working with working with local charities, working with 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 Tom and and the trust, and the foundation, um, and 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 again, raising the awareness of of certain campaigns that the football club can help with. Then uh, yeah, most uh, certainly. You know, if I can, then then I will. I've just got a quick one, and it's something we'll, we'll pay tribute to um, Ash, who obviously left left uh, the club. But what's he been like for you, Mal? Um, working with Ash because you know we, we he's been there for a long time. He's been very very good to us uh, on the podcast and uh, you know on personal levels. But in in your three weeks, that probably feels like a lifetime at the club. But what's it been like working with Ash? Uh, I think I think the best way to describe it is that I'm I'm extremely disappointed that Ash isn't staying with us. Um, he's been incredibly supportive. Um, uh, his professionalism throughout this whole period of time, and, and I knew that um, you know he was leaving, um, and and believe me, we did we did try our hardest to to make sure that we 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 um, we kept him at the club. But there's also times where you have to respect people's decisions. Um, and and he's doing it for the right reasons. Um, and uh, I'm aware of those. Working at a football club can be uh, extremely time-consuming, extremely um, uh, energy-sapping. And he's done seven years of it. And he's done, you know, the last twelve months like a number of uh, staff that have been here throughout that period of time. Um, they, they've they've probably run several people's roles um, single-handedly um, for long periods of time. So I'm not saying that he's a martyr, um, but I think that he's been one of the kingpins to ensure that um, uh, you know the, the club has 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 maintained the standard that that his department um, put together. Um, like I said, incredibly professional, um, and and personally disappointed that he's leaving, but but he goes with our um, unbelievable best wishes. Because the, the the reason why he's going is for the right reasons. Final question for me: Did did we get a did we not get an invite to the Super League? Given the fact that we've won the FA Cup since Tottenham Hotspur have and Liverpool for that matter. Let, let, let's put it a different way: If we'd have been invited, would you have been happy or sad if we'd have uh, accepted or rejected? We oh, would have been if you'd have accepted. We'd been doing a socially distanced, responsible protest outside of the ground. <laughs> I, I heard that it was our invite that precipitated City's withdrawal. That could be true, Paul, and we could start a rumour now. <laughs> it's been brilliant yeah. having you, 
having you with us, Mal, tonight. Thank you very much. I know you're extremely busy, and uh, I've no doubt your phone's ringing with agents of players and other stuff. And gents, gents, you're, you're more than welcome. Um, I know that it's probably been a week or two longer than you you wanted to get me on, but um, no, com- completely. You know, like I said, we're going to be open. We're going to we're going to be as communicative as, as we possibly can. I'll make sure that you don't have to listen to me all the time, but but happy enough to do it. You know, um, as and when. Thank you very much, Mal. Thank, Thank you very much, much indeed. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thanks, gents. Right. Here's to another Bye. Bye. All the best. Good luck. Cheers. Cheers. Well, that was a brilliant insight from Mal. Absolutely fantastic. Right then, um, on to the main agenda. Liam Richardson, it's already been mentioned in, in Mal's uh, discussion, has been appointed the manager of Wigan Athletic on a three-year deal. I think we can all say on this podcast, it is fully deserved and echo really Mal's comments on him getting the position. So congratulations, Liam, and here's to a, a prosperous future. Does anyone want to say anything on that? Are we, uh, are we all good? Do we echo everything? Yeah, we echo everything. Yeah, I, I just mm-hmm. echo the comments that Dr. Toby made a few weeks ago when he said he's the, he was the, the best man of all the managers he's worked with up and down the leagues, the best man to have led us to this position. That's a good enough endorsement for me. Absolutely. Well, and the, it comes off the back of yet another win. Shrewsbury Town, the latest to fall victim to the mighty Wigan Athletic. A very even possession-based game, as well as shots and those shots on target. Remarkably, Shrewsbury had four to our three shots on target. There seemed to be a hell of a lot of corners, and I was very shocked that we only had uh, seven. I think it was more George Johnston's long throw-ins putting their keeper under pressure. Yellow cards, we only picked up the one last night. Funzo Ojo was the only person to be booked. First of all, I've, I've, I've not, I'm gonna, I don't want to say criticised, but I've, I've not been the most positive about Jamie Jones on podcasts in, in years gone by. As have others, but I'll, I'll put my hands up. But again, our captain... Absolutely fantastic. Kept us in the game, keeping his head screwed on right to the end. And if it wasn't for him last night, I think we'd have come away from Shrewsbury with at most a draw. Adam? Yeah, man of the match last night, I think, for me. Um, end of the day, he, he was flawless through the game. Um, and then the crucial thing is that... At, very key times, not when we were under major pressure, but at key times when he had to make the saves, he made them. And that, that to me, is even better than a keeper who has that type of game where they, you know, they just they just have one of them games where they're under pressure, or like a like a non-league cup keeper. It's a lot harder when there's you're not under that much pressure, but yet you have to make that incredible save in the last minute. Fantastic three points, great victory. Full stop. What more do you want? Well, I want you to talk to me. Talk to me, Barry, about Wilking the pass. Well, I, I know Adam's just said that Jamie Jones was man of the match and he started to disagree, but I thought Wilking was fantastic last night. Cracking header to score the opening goal and then that pass for Callum Lang just before our time. Picked it up, got his head up outside of the boot. What a ball that was. Lange through, bang, 2-0. Superb. Paul, um, did you feel that the the lads switched off in the second half a bit? 
Um, it's it was just nerves, isn't it? I, I think it's. I, I mean, obviously, I've said in the past that mm-hmm. I I listen. Um, I don't watch. I'm not a fan of football on TV. Um, I like to be at the grounds, and I'm just picking up on the nerves of Ash and Tommy, uh, uh, and it it was nervy, um, and it was one of them where when that whistle goes, it's a relief. Yeah, was that something that you'd uh, echo, Adam? To an extent, I mean, I, I don't think it was completely backed against the wall. You know, in my view, it was just a worry that they could, like, they had that chance. Well, they had two chances in the last five minutes, which were decent chances. I thought we managed the game okay, to be honest. But, it, you know, you, when you're only leading by a goal, you know, you could end up with a situation like what happened for the first goal. If someone strikes a ball like that, there's not a lot you can do about it, really. So you're always... Ang- in the back of your mind, you always fear the worst. But in hindsight, I don't think it was a case of a goal it was inevitable in my in my view. Uh, I, th- I thought uh, we weren't as good in the second half, but I thought we managed the game okay, a lot better than we've managed other games. Go back to that Rochdale game when we were three two up, ten men playing against ten men, and we didn't manage that game well at all. This game, I thought we did okay with it. The remaining games that we've got coming up now, we've got three games to go, two at home, one away. I've already said that we will go unbeaten now to the end of the season. I said this, I think, four games ago. We've got Burton at home, Hull away, and Swindon at home. Home game for Mal, actually, that, isn't it? I think he's based over that way. Paul, what are we saying now for the remaining three? Three out of three wins? Um, No, I won't... The problem is, if you say three out of three wins, you're then looking at um, a hell of a streak. You know, very, very few teams go that long. Um, you'd be looking at, I mean, how many are we on at the moment? Are we on four or are we on five? No, four, aren't we? So you'd be looking at seven seven wins on the bounce, and that's a hell of a streak. So I don't think we'll continue that. I think we'll drop something somewhere. I just hope that you look at Jamie Jones's saves last night and they've put us in a position that if results go right, we can be um, seven clear with two to play. Which, you know, bingo. I was just trying to look when Rochdale play the pick up the game in hand. Next week, Paul. Wimbledon away. Yeah. So so if, if they don't if they don't pick points up there and we put seven points between us on on, on Saturday, we're laughing, aren't we? Well, Barry, you you were saying we need a couple more wins and this, that, the other in, in recent podcasts. Are we safe or is it a couple more points or is it three more points? Adam's celebrating in the corner. I said that no team below us would finish on, on 45 points, so 44 points would be enough. There's still none of them teams below us on 44 points, so I don't know what everybody's getting all worked up for about my predictions. We've all got tough games. I, I think we're safe. Um, but we win as many games as we can because you never know. The only problem I see is Rochdale hanging on, onto our coattails. As long as we keep winning, they'll start to get dejected because whatever they do, they can't overtake us as long as we do the job at our end. And I think that's going to happen. Reluctantly, now I'm going to go on to Mr. Positivity. He probably had us down for 46 wins this season, considering we were, even though we were in administration, managerless, and having our team picked to pieces. So, uh, Adam, these next three games, what are you, what are you thinking? Well, I don't see any reason. I know Paul said you don't, you rarely go on those runs, but we've got somebody who was 
who was involved in a run like that last year. And he happens to be our manager. I think we won seven, at least seven in a row last year at the end of the season. I see no reason at all why we can't go and win all three. And going back to the Rochdale point, if Rochdale do hang on to us, well, they'll be hanging on to us by beating Wimbledon. So, <laughs> essentially, you know, that's, that means that it brings brings them back into it as well. So, you know, I, I think we're safe, but I don't think we're, I think we're safe because, we, for, in my view, at the moment, we're, we're a lot better than the sides we're playing. And I'll put Hull into that category. I think now we're clicking. We're the best side in this league by a mile. Well, it's interesting. There's sort of some uh, tasty fixtures again coming up this weekend. Ipswich take on Wimbledon. I'd love Paul Cook to to start getting a win. Another defeat last night for Ipswich in a game that uh, could have done us some favours. I think the podcast tweeted Cook out as well, <laughs> not getting the results that we wanted. Um, Crew, who we uh, just overcome, they take on Rochdale at um, at Crew. It's it's a game that we could do with Crew really stepping up uh, gear. Portsmouth, they had a bad result, and they take on bottom of the league. Bristol Rovers, who could potentially get relegated this weekend, couldn't they, Barry? Yeah, and that is a one thirty kickoff. So before any of us start, if they don't win that, they're down. No matter what happens elsewhere, we'll know before we kick off that you know that we've probably only got three teams over our shoulder rather than four. I feel sorry for the team down at the gas, but teams have got to go, and as long as it's not us, uh, good luck to the rest of you. Uh, MK Dons take on a resurgent. John Sheridan less Swindon. They got a win last night and after John Sheridan's departure. I think you can read into that and probably get all the all the right answers, I think, uh, from that. And Gillingham take on Northampton. Well, it's going to be an interesting soccer Saturday, to be sure. Barry, can I come to you with regards to the supporters club? They've made an announcement that People are getting the money back who donated to the second crowdfunder. It starts rolling out on Monday, the 26th of April at 3pm. We have a separate special announcement breaking news podcast where they can listen to Caroline Molyneux giving the details. And it's on our Twitter feed and at Busfright on our homepage there. So rather than us talk about it, just have a listen to that. If you put your money in and it'll tell you about the rollout, getting it back, or if you want to donate it elsewhere, what to do. Spot on. Right, let's fast forward now to Saturday's game against Burton, Albion, the Brewers. And I've got to come back to you again, Barry. It's like a game of tennis, this. Returning will serve. And who is the man in the middle? The referee for the Wigan Athletic versus Burton Albion game is none other than Charles Breakspear. He's a Surrey based official. He's refereed us once before this season. That was away at MK Dons, where we lost 2 0. And he awarded a 49th minute penalty to the Dons as well. Or we'll not call them the Dons, we'll call them MK. So far this season, he's done 29 games, issued 105 yellows, six reds, and 15 penalty awards, which is quite a large amount. Charles Breakspeare. Okay, dokie. Right. The Brewers fan we have lined up this week. And I know Adam, the Adam Ass section has been done by yourself, Barry, hasn't it? So, Barry, I'm going to come back to you again. 
Yeah, we've got uh, Dave Child, who is an ex-radio and television football commentator. People may know him. We had a phone call uh, conversation. I recorded it, and let's have a listen to what Dave says. Hi, I'm Dave Child. I'm a Burn Albion fan of 50 years plus for my sins. Um, and I absolutely love my football, including the Brewers. Well, I don't think uh, we're on the beach, to be perfectly honest, Barry. COVID restrictions, of course, that's the only reason. I'm sure some of the lads have already got the shorts on, but uh, no, uh, we want to finish as high up the league as we possibly can. So we've had a bit of a wobble. I think people have uh, uh, gotten used to how we're playing now. So we've got our limitations, but we feel we've got probably sufficient points in the back, but we certainly like a few more. Jake Buxton had still been in charge. Uh, no, I think we'd have probably got relegated. Sorry, Jake. Lovely guy. So I want to say a massive thank you to uh, Wigan Athletic for beating us 4-3. Uh, that was the final nail uh, in the coffin to swap the manager. And the fact that Jimmy's return to the club was a massive boost. We're a bit surprised he came back. And Dino Mamria is just quality as well. What a partnership. Uh, without those two at the helm, um, we would have been gone. So, massive improvement. And uh, it's just clicked. They're a good partnership and they suit Burton Albion very well. Well, with Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, uh, it's not just tactics and the way the team plays. He's got a massive emphasis on fitness. Uh, one of the first things that he looked at when he came back to the club was the fitness levels of the players. It simply wasn't good enough. That was one of the things he did the first time around when he came to Burton. The levels were incredible. Um, so now, uh, not only has he got uh, some new players, 11 to 12 new players, but uh, he's strengthened the defence, which is very important, gives us a bit more creativity. Uh, but uh, our team's elastic now because of those fitness levels. So not only do we last the game, we can win the game, get points and stay in the division. Lucas Hakeem is the guy you should look out for. You never know what uh, Lucas is going to do. I don't think he does half the time. Yeah, longest serving player at the club. Absolutely loved. He's one of those players with that sort of gangling style. He sort of dances around the ball. He was actually a dancer, he tells us. Not sure we believe that many years ago. But, um, yeah, he's a dangerous player. Um, I, I would say he's in the twilight of his career. Uh, but uh, but there you go. He's come through the divisions with Burton, played in the Championship and Leagues 1 and 2. Um, he's always a threat. He's always likely to score. And he can put a good penalty away. So, uh, if we get a penalty, you'll see Lucas. Well, I, I could be more confident, uh, to be perfectly honest, about Saturday's game. We are absolutely unbelievable away from home, as you've probably noted and frightened yourself. Me too. Uh, there was a start thrown about somewhere. I can't quote it off the top of my head. But Burton Albion have got the, uh, the best points return and away record since the turn of the year in Europe. I'm not sure whether that's right or not, but it's certainly in this country. We've got a list as long as you're on. Actually, since not long after we played you with that defeat at the Pirelli. Gillingham, Northampton, Charlton, Rochdale. The list just goes on and on, to be perfectly honest, of teams that we've actually beaten. You know, AFC Wimbledon, uh, a draw at Blackpool. You know, we beat uh, Shrewsbury, Shrewsbury. You know, more recently, Portsmouth and Doncaster Rovers. So we're pretty good away. So I don't all fancy our chances in a nice stadium like yours. It's, I'm afraid it's got to be Burton. A score prediction. And I've built it up to say, we're going to do you. 2-0 Burton. Well, he's absolutely buzzing, is <laughs> Dave. Uh, and rightly so. 
I, he told me about their away farm, and I couldn't believe it when I had a look. Since we went to the Pirelli and beat them in December, they've played 10 away games starting in January, of which they've won eight and drawn two, and they've not lost a single one. So they're in fantastic form. Uh, he's re- really uh, buzzing about the game on Saturday, and he thinks they're going to do us. But he, he also said he thinks we're going to stop up. Well, they are in a great vein of form, aren't they, since Hasselbank came back in to um, Burton. The the last five, they've won three, drawn one and lost one. Previously, we've played Burton six times. We've won two, drawn two, and you can guess it, we've lost two. The reverse fixture in December of 2020 was Burton Albion three, Wigan Athletic, four. Cal Joseph bagged a hat-trick. And Will Keane got the fourth. Adam, how do you see Saturday's game going? Well, I haven't looked actually into that form. Uh, didn't realise the away form was so good. Um, bizarrely, I've had a look before for the first time in I can't remember how long. The Buckies have made us favourites. <laughs> which to me is remarkable when we're actually playing a side whose away form is so good. I mean, I still I still think we are a better side than them. I think we've got some top quality players. Um, but I think it could be a good game, this, because I, I think both sides are playing quite well at the moment. So I'm going to go for a, a 3-1 Wigan Athletic win. And I actually fancy a goal. little tip for you here. Luke Robinson struck a beauty last night. He's ready for a goal. Fair play, Paul. Um, well, I mean, I've said these last three fixtures, uh, this being the last one, uh, playing teams that are on the beach, no playoffs, no relegation threats. Um, and they were a good way to just pick points up for us to get ourselves out of the mire. Um, we're four clear in Northampton. Um, extend that to seven on Saturday and we could be pretty much done by the time Rochdale lose to Wimbledon. So I'll go with 2-0 comfortable, never you know, never looking like conceding. Well, fair enough. I'm Barry. To be honest, first time in a little while, I've not been that confident. I don't think we're going to lose it, but considering the away form, I can see this being an hard-fought draw, and that's what I'm going to go for. I'm going to go for one apiece. Fair enough. I'll, um, I'm going to keep my... Uh... Prediction close to my chest, uh, prediction league coming. It's, it's quite tight at the top and being a top two uh, contender in that league, I have to keep my predictions uh, close to my chest. So on that note, it's a goodbye from me. Goodbye from us. Up the ticks.